Hello, everyone, and welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, along with my co-host, Chris Kay. This is the podcast where we talk about all things hard rock and heavy metal. And this week, we're talking about Rob Halford and his solo career bands, Fight and Halford, as we go head-to-head with War of Words versus Resurrection. These are the debut albums of Rob's two solo bands, and we're going to go over each song, debate all their merits, and at the end, we'll decide which album we like more. Last episode, we concluded our two-part series of Heavy Metal One-Hit Wonders, so if you missed it, make sure to download it and click subscribe so you don't miss any more. So before we get into the main topic, Chris, I want to know what you've been listening to lately. Um, so I was pretty excited to hear just very recently. Um, I don't know how long this news has been out there, but I, I think I found out what last week um, was the Halo Effect is uh, a new band that's formed kind of out of former members of In Flames, and it's from the era that I really enjoyed. So a lot of the members, uh, including Peter Iwers, uh, Jesper Stromblad, and Daniel Svensson, uh, were members during the Clayman uh, Colony era of the band. Uh, most of them continued on for a few more albums, which I didn't like as much. Um, but Nicholas England has been in the band recently, uh, in the last, you know, five, six, maybe longer years. Um, but he was also briefly in the band, uh, right around the time that Horacle was concluded. Um, so he didn't actually play on that album, but he had joined the band. So he has a history with them. And then, uh, the singer, which is very exciting is Michael Stan, which was the, uh, singer from Dark Tranquility. He's still doing Dark Tranquility, um, but he was on the very first In Flames album. So it's all members. I mean, Michael was, was or Mikhail, or I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce his name, but uh, he, um, he was never technically an official member, but I think if you've been a long-term fan of, of uh, In Flames, it, you, you kind of consider him one. Um, so it's really cool to hear this project. They just released their new single, uh, Shadow Minds, which it's not the most amazing track, but I really do like it. And it has a lot of shades and flavors from, um, what Dark Tranquility is currently doing and for their last few albums. And then also it does have like that old in flame spice to it too. So I, I hope to hear more out of them and I hope that like the next few tracks are even better, but like to me, this was still a pleasant surprise and I'm really happy with it. So, um, and I'm glad a lot of these guys, like most of them had semi retired and they're basically all coming out of retirement. And I am really, really curious about Nicholas England's uh, status in in flames because he's still technically a member of that band, even though he hasn't played with them for a while. Chris Broderick has been playing in his position, um, but he's still listed as a member of the band. He's still on the website. Um, it's very odd. It's it's very curious that he he's, hasn't been active just to do a project with all the people that were dissatisfied with In Flames. So it's kind of so interesting. I think, I think there's some legal ramifications there. Yeah, there's probably something that he's he's having to to sit out a contract or something like that. I'm I'm a little curious. Yeah, I heard the song. Uh, actually, I heard it the same 
the same time that you heard it the other day, and I thought it was pretty cool. It wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a little faster, um, mm-hmm. but it was it was a pleasant surprise. I mean, I could understand everything that was going on. It was kind of more heavy than it was fast. So that yeah. I, I thought that was pretty cool. 100% agreed. And I've still been listening to Bloodbound. Um, I really like the first three albums. I've been ha- finding it really hard to get into s- this stuff after with their current singer. Um, I So I kind of cycle through those first three albums and really enjoy them. And then other than that, I've been listening to Wasp. You know, it's a band I seem to always go back to so oh have you because you know i've been reading up about them lately and you know quite honestly chris holmes just annoys the shit out of me (laughs) 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 you know i the thing about why i i love wasp i have loved wasp since the beginning um and i have followed them throughout their career and it's funny because one of the things about that band it, they're very similar to, for me at least, very similar to uh, Twisted Sister, where Twisted Sister is not one of you know is not the band that you name off as one of your favorite you know top t- ten bands you know or, or something. I mean, it could be. I mean, don't get me wrong, but it's one of these bands that I just continuously go back to. Oh, I want to hear this song. Let me hear this album. You know, and I and and. Wasp is one of those. I love the first album. It's one of my favorite albums of all time, the, the first Wasp album. And, you know, and I like Last Command and I like, you know, Inside the Electric Circus. They got a lot of good songs. And over the years, they've, you know, it's become more of the Blackie show. And then all of a sudden, they became like Man of War, where Blackie never comes home to the United States. He basically does everything Wasp in Europe. They can't sell a single seat in an American place, but they can sell out clubs, I guess. you And I don't even, I use the term loosely, clubs, out in Europe. And the the article I was just reading about with Chris Holmes was that he was griping about the fact that it became the Blackie show after the first album, um, when the drummer left, uh, Tony Richards, and, you know, it had to be Blackie on the album cover by himself. And... You know, every so often, every few months or every few weeks, you, you get an article from from Chris Holmes, and it's just talking about how he got screwed over by Blackie and how he hates Blackie and how he never, you know, never wanted to be like this, you know. And it's like, dude, quit whining. Mm-hmm. Really? It's just like, stop already. Like, what bugs me more about it is you could tell he's bitter. But at the same time, there's really something deep in there that that almost kind of tugs at his heartstrings. He wants that friendship back. You can you can almost feel it, you know. But he's continuously just talking about how much he can't stand him and how much you know he hates him and he's never going to work with him again. Yet I, I I personally believe if if Blackie turned around and said I'm sorry, Chris would be the first person there. And I mean, it's possible I, when you have that affiliation. And you're you're part of something like it. It's got to be hard. Like you you are responsible for writing some of the songs, or, or you know making them famous. But you really don't have any ability to to do them. You know, like it. Yeah. Any anybody that that contributed to the songs can go play them and stuff like that. Like, but it's different 
when like say for instance Sebastian Bach is doing the um Slave to the Grind tour you know for like what is it 30 year anniversary yeah, 32nd <laughs> oh well yeah technically cuz it got delayed right? <laughs> right and so and oh no so, actually like, this this year is actually for Slave to the Grind I'm sorry this Slave to the Grind is the 30th cuz it came out in 91 uh when he was he, it was the, got, the first album right he got he got the Skid Row album got canceled twice the the, the tour so it yeah. was so so he's doing Slave to the Grind, and when you go see uh, uh, Sebastian do Slave to the Grind, it still feels, in a lot of ways, like seeing Skid Row do it. You know, it's a little different because it's different musicians, but at the same time, like, that front man being there, that's a, that's a big factor. Right. But for some reason, when you see, like, the guitarist with another singer doing it, sometimes it doesn't have that same vibe. So he doesn't have the ability to just go out... And do the same thing that Blackie does, right? I mean, yes. So there's that 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 bitterness to it there as well mm-hmm. because he's he doesn't get a chance to perform his music. I get yeah. that, you know. But the best thing for him to do would be to actually write a good song and go out there and tour, or go out there and do a couple shows, and and you know. You yeah. can you could do. I mean, shit. Bobby Blotzer was performing as Rat. And he had people come to his shows, and you know it was nobody from Rat other than him, and he's a drummer, and so th- that's even worse than Chris. At least Chris was a guitar player; <laughs> he could play the yeah. solos, you know. I mean, he's just letting that that anger and bitterness consume him. Honestly, yeah, exactly. And I mean, look, I get it, he, and he's tried to turn his life around. I get that he's not. He's, I th- believe he's clean. You know, he's he's sober, um, but it's just a constant. It's very similar to like the whole thing with with Ace Freely and Kiss, you know. Ace mm-hmm. is constantly, you know. Let me, let me take that back. The media and the media being all the social media people who interview for Instagram or for or for websites, you know, all those guys. Because you know, quote unquote, media is not. You know, the the mainstream media is not tracing or chasing down Ace Freely to get his latest. You know word on Paul and Gene but it's the internet it's the 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 fans of of metal and rock that are interested so they continuously ask him hey so what do you feel about a reunion and they're always asking about that and so it's always on the tip of Ace's tongue Mm -hmm. and and that's not necessarily his fault but at the same time, he could have put an end to it by saying, listen, you know, I don't want to talk about that anymore. I, I want to talk about my new album. I want to talk about my solo album. You know, anything. But just, but move past the whole point of, you know, when they ask me, maybe I'll come back, you know. <laughs> just, dude, get over Which it. Which is not going to happen. Which is not going to happen, you know. It's like Peter Chris, the same thing. He's like, oh, I'll never play with those guys again. No, because they don't want you to. <laughs> you don't get it. You know, so Chris needs to kind of uh, just let it go, really. You know, he's got to be like, you know, Anna and, and, you know, Elsa. Just let it go. (laughs) He's all right. He's out. He's out there in that kind of in that area. Or so is Blackie. I believe they're both in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. They should just go hook up somewhere in Hungary and and have a beer, something. Anyway. All right. Well, tonight's episode main topic is actually a suggestion from a a listener 
and uh, someone that I've been uh, corresponding back and forth with on Instagram. Uh, his name is Mark, or the account's name is Mark Christina. Mark Christina suggested the the that we do. He wanted us to do Halford's two solo albums head to head, which was Resurrection versus Crucible. Um, but while I was having this conversation, I, it came to me. I said, "What if I put together?" Head to head, the first two albums of each of the solo bands, or the first album of each of the solo bands. So, Fight, War of Words, versus Resurrection from Halford. Because I think those two albums are so strong and they're such good quality, where the second album from each of those bands kind of drops down. And they're not necessarily bad albums, but they're not as good as the first one. So, I I figured these they're, two would they're be both a, sophomore slumps. Yeah, honestly. exactly. They're both sophomore slumps. So I I want to I want to do two really powerful debut albums. So we're doing War of Words from Fight versus Resurrection from Halford. All right. So let's see. What do my notes say here? <laughs> All right. Fight the War of Words album came out in 1993. Uh, kind of a little bit of a history on on band. Obviously, Rob Halford. Many of you out there know Rob Halford left Judas Priest. He wanted to do a. He actually didn't want to leave. He wanted to just take some time off so he could get this kind of off his chest. The band wanted to continue doing new music, and so therefore, uh, when Rob left, they just basically parted ways, or something to that effect. Uh, there's more details to that story and there's more legal fights to that story. But Well, um, yeah, I mean, he wanted to, to leave or, or he didn't want to leave. He wanted to go do his own project. Um, they s- basically said, we can only sit around for so long. And that was it. Like, they, they made him um, sign that sign out of the band, basically. And whenever he was ready to come back, then he was going to be welcome back. This is, this is according to Rob from his book. And, um, then they found a new singer. So it, there was some, you know, feeling of betrayal, etc. But the fact is after that long of a period of time, I don't really blame priest either. So, no, I mean it, you can't you can't sit around and wait forever, you know. No, not absolutely. Especially not. the band at that point, the band was aging. Uh, the band was going through a rough period with just the way the '90s were were starting to to pan out, and mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean I don't blame them. You know they had to do what they had to do. It didn't seem like Rob was coming back, but oddly enough, Rob when he left took with him Scott Travis, <laughs> so that was an interesting thing. Um, so he puts his band together, and you know, he bring he hires um, pretty much unknown people other than Scott, uh, Brian Tils, one of the guitar players, and Russ Parrish was the other guitar player. No one knew who Russ was at the time, so we all know him now as the guitar player for Steel Panther. What's his nickname in, in the band? Satchel. Satchel. But we, he but that whole persona didn't exist at the time. Um, so him and Brian put together a very formidable. Uh, tag team of, of of guitar playing. It was some really good shit on this album with those two guys. Then I believe JJ, the bass player, was Rob's tattoo artist. And that's how he got the gig 
you know, and then there was Scott. So um, this album, uh, I, I, I'm going to put it hands down right here. I love this album. I love the production on this album. I love the drum work on this album. I love the guitar work on this album. Uh, just the whole production about it. The drums sound great, and the guitars have this buzzsaw kind of sound to them. And even with all that going on, the bass still cuts through on the album. So this, to me, this album is 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 really really good. And and don't get me wrong, because Resurrection, when we talk about that in a little bit, also has some very very good production. But it's slightly different because it's almost in the tinge of the more modern style. You know, after after like 2000, which when that album came out there was a certain kind of very computerized style of, of production, but we'll talk about that later. So as we go through these songs, I just wanted to, to re- reiterate one thing. All the guitar solos on this album are really good. There's some great, great guitar work. So I, I'm not going to mention, you know, oh, this song had a great guitar solo or this, that, and the other thing, unless you have something that you want to say specifically about it. Um, because, I just think the guitar work and the, and the solo work on this album from front to back is just amazing. And last but not least, to talk about um, this album, you and I had a conversation about the, the kind of like the topic of this album and how um, Halford's Resurrection is more storytelling. This one is kind of very thematic. It's it's a lot about government, a lot about corruption, and a lot about, uh, in a way, personal, but not the same kind of personal that resurrection is so without any further ado let's go into the songs all right all right um first song that starts off uh war of words is the song into the pit um for me i mean that's just an amazing way to start an album i mean it's 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 just a relentless assault uh the vocal style is very very similar to painkiller where it's just a the high pitch falsetto scream um, I love it. It's just it's you, you hear the anger. You kind of know, you know, after you know, while you're listening to the song, this album is going to be uh, potent. I mean, it it has got a lot going on in this song. I mean, this there's a, there's some anger in this, but when you start listening to the lyrics, it's not what you think it is when you hear "Into the Pit." You know, some people might think immediately, "Oh, it's a song about a mosh pit" or something like that. It's not like that at all. It's more metaphoric. And so that you got to really listen to the lyrics and it's, it's more about, you know, again, government and corruption. And it's kind of interesting, but song wise, I mean, it's killer riff. Um, the drum work on this is outstanding. I mean, the drum work on this whole album is outstanding, but I really like this particular song. It's it, a lot of the rhythms and that, that Scott plays on this. Uh, I, I tap along with my fingers all the time without even thinking about it. What do you think of that song? I mean, you you kind of said everything, <laughs> like everything <laughs> possible. <laughs> Sorry. Um, um. So yeah, I mean, it's like a. Um, I mean, it's really ripping. Like it just it's a it's a sonic assault from the beginning, and like you said, the drums hit and they hit hard. Like Halford is just belting in his high register and. Yeah, it's it's really kick ass. Yeah, it's not necessarily specifically about a pit, but um, it carries over in that way. You know, you want you want to get in the mosh pit and just you know rock along with the song. Oh yeah, when you when you hear the song, you you want to jump in that pit. 
Yeah, and and I I gotta say, like, even though you said you don't want to talk about the solos, I do because the- that's, that's fine. I, I'm I'm just saying collectively for me, the, all the solos around here are amazing, and I just don't want to sound repetitive. Gotcha. Um. So, yeah this this song or this solo in particular, though, it just really kicks ass. Like it's it's one of those that. You, th- you think it's just really shreddy, but there's a lot of dimension to it, which is what I really like about the solos on this album. It's not just shreddy. It's not just like the same thing over and over. There is a lot of variation throughout here, and each solo fits the track really well. And that's that's different than what I feel about a lot of albums where it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to come up with a lot of solos and you know insert them here like there are a lot of musicians that really put a lot of thought into how it fits into the song and then there's a lot of musicians that don't and so like this this time i think like these guys really just knocked it out of the park yeah i mean to to concur with what you're saying i think with the guitar solo work and just with all the work on this album the there's there's a lot of attention to detail for mm-hmm. this and and that's that's what what I like about it like for instance if this is a debut album from any other band um I think it, it's kind of weird even though Rob Halford brings rec- name recognition to this I think if this is a debut album from any other band it 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 blows the market away and there's just this tremendous amount of interest but for whatever reason there was I, I don't know if there was a pushback against Rob to some degree from some of the fans or whatever but it, it, the band never really took off per se. I mean, they did an MTV appearance. Um, they played clubs and they they played clubs relentlessly. But for whatever reason, and maybe it's because you know when the, the sophomore slump on the second album. But it, it was just one of these things where, it, like, I almost felt like they could have been doing um, theaters right away as opposed to just clubs. But for you know, for for whatever reason, it, it didn't translate that way. Sometimes people have a hard time grasping, like, this guy went to this or went somewhere else and is doing something different, but I'm loyal to the the real band. Or, you know, like, there's this really messed up mentality sometimes that fan, the fandom has mm-hmm. where where I think it, it was one of those things, like, people just didn't, one, know that he was doing this project because there wasn't as good of advertising. Um and then two, like there are the people that are just diehards and they don't want to listen to anything else but the original. And it so it's sometimes unfortunate that it's just it's a matter of luck. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, if if it's if it's someone else that they put a, a, a bajillion dollars into, then I think it goes somewhere. But anyway, um let's get on to the next song. The second song on the album is called Nail to the Gun and to me, that's like a perfect segue from into the pit into in, into nailed to the gun, because it first of all the way it's, the way the production or or the way that they put it onto the record, there's not much time in between the two tracks. It's like one second. No, it goes right into the next track. Exactly, and 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 again, it goes into some more killer drum beats from Scott, and you know, then all of a sudden the melodies hit. And the, the riff the riffs on these on this song is awesome. The melodies on the and the the verse is awesome. So you know there's a lot to this song, 
And then, you know, Rob goes into his traditional vocal style and you can, you know, you can hear who he is again. And it's just, it's a cool song. I mean, I really like this song a lot as well. Yeah. I mean, you can already tell like the song structure is a little simpler, but that's than what they were doing with Judas Priest, you know, but, but honestly, that's like, that's an aspect of it being more aggressive. You know, it's, it's, this is more groovy. This is more, um, like heavy than Judas Priest. And like it, you, it's hard to say. Cause you know, like painkiller is very obviously heavy, but it also is very melodic and, you know, it, it's not as, as deep and dark and heavy as this, you know? Right. So like, I really like about this song is the twin vocals. So Rob is, is singing, but there's also the growl behind him, especially on the title lyrics, the nailed to the gun. So it's really a, got a cool sound. And then again, um, the solo has a lot of variety to it. Like it takes you kind of on a journey throughout. And so Again, this is a highlight of what they do here on this album in particular is that the solos don't just have one dimension to them. There is so much beyond that and it like the 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 play between both guys is what's so good is that it's not just one voice coming out. It's it's both of their sounds and they're playing off of each other so well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Brian and Russ do a really fabulous job of of inter of intermingling with each other in, in the guitar work, and you mm-hmm. would you would think that they had been playing together for ages, you know, almost yeah. like like KK and Glenn. But I mean, from what I gather, back in the day, they had basically just met in the band. So yeah, you know, so that's still pretty good. I mean, they played really well. Um, the next song is "Life in Black." Um, this song's a little different. It's a it's a it's a plotting s- song. It's slower, mm-hmm. um, but I think what carries the song is because it is a plotting song. It, it, it's heavy, you know. And the song is about a person who has r- wronged the protagonist, almost like a bad father son relationship kind of thing, you know. But it it, it this, this it goes beyond the story because the, the song itself is so heavy and. You know, it, it's it's not your traditional slow song. It's not like a ballad, but it's it's sort of like a a cassad but true kind of slow and heavy. You know, yeah. And I'm not trying to compare the two songs, but that's it's kind of like that. So it, it this one plods along, but because of the 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 way it's recorded, there's not a lot of um, overlap in the instruments. So there's a lot of spaces. Like I've always talked about, the song breathes really well, and I think that's what makes this song better than it really is. Yeah, there's there's a lot of what was going on in Rob's mind in this album, and what I mean by that is, especially if you if you've read his book or, or listened to the audiobook, which I really suggest because he reads it. Um, he, at this point in his life, he was, you know, not out of the closet yet. I mean, he was within a certain group of his life, but for the most part, like fans really didn't know. Um, some did. It's, it's kind of interesting. Like you definitely got to listen to it to really understand exactly what I'm saying. Um, but he always had this fear that like there was everything was going to explode at some point. And I think he was just building up more and more anger and 
just a need to get that out of him that it really shows in this album. And um, I think that's an interesting comparison to what we'll get to with the next album, too, because it's he's also at a different stage in his life, you know, seven years later. Um, but yeah, in, in just in particular with this track, um, it's got that anger, but it's also very like, sl- you know, sludgy, kind of like you said, applauding um, the bass. I feel like the bass takes kind of a backseat on this track where I feel like it should be pushed even further. Um, Cause like you're right through, through most of it, it's very prevalent, but for some reason on a couple of the tracks, I don't feel like it's strong enough. And this is one of them. Um, but um, the best part of this track to me is how the slow, the solo builds into the high range vocals. Like it, it meshes like, all in one go and that i thought that was a really cool effect yeah i i like that i like that part about it too um okay next one (laughs) um fourth song on the album immortal sin um i really really like this song uh it's got some really killer melodies it's got again some more killer drum work um i really really like the sing-along chorus on this song um, again, mid tempo, not as plotting as as Life in Black, but it's heavy. It's a heaviest shit song. Um, I mean, this song, I this is one of my favorite tracks on this album. Yeah, it's it. I mean, it's one of the heavier riffs on the on the whole thing. Um, it it just has that feeling like some tracks just make make you want to like stomp through a mosh pit, and this is one of them. Um, the chorus kind of sticks up somewhat, somewhat as odd to me, um, because instead of like throughout the album, he does this kind of almost like spoken style vocals, you know, sometimes almost like kind of machine gun sounding mm-hmm. and then, but this one, he's really kind of singing, you yeah. know, and it's a little different than some of the other tracks. It's not a bad thing, but it's just kind of odd after like the the first three tracks this is this is a little bit more like what he did in judas priest especially earlier judas priest um and then but not the sound of the track but like his vocals yeah that, that happens a couple times on this album and i yeah. will point it out again later yep and and so that's kind of the it, it's a good track but it's like it takes a minute to sink in i think okay i i hear you <laughs> All right, uh, that brings us to War of Words, the title track. And to me, this is this is the song for me. Is This is the best song on the album for me. Uh, and, and I really enjoy this album a lot. Like, I love Into the Pit. I love Nail to the Gun. But War of Words, there's something about it um, that I really, really, really enjoy. Um, the song begins with a reading of the... First Amendment from the Constitution, which is so funny because it's this song is so appropriate to to, to today's it times. Uh, it's so relevant to what's going on in the U.S. today. Um, Rob uses a falsetto scream again on this song, but it's it's not like fast like it was on Into the Pit, but it's you know it's grooving with the song, but he's at that high pitch, so it's it's really cool in in that regards. 
Um, I just love the chorus on this song. I love the riffs on this song, uh, the drum work on this song. I mean, this is, I love this song front to back. And then Rob, in the middle of it, he repeats the First Amendment. Um, and for those people who don't know, Rob lives in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's an American citizen. He really, really believes in the American way of life. Um, so, you know, he, he's been in Phoenix, and that's where he started the band, um, Fight. So he's been in Phoenix for God, for years. I mean, probably from the early 80s, he's been living in Phoenix. Uh, so, yeah. it's you know, it's one of those things where he has truly adopted America as his home country. And he really feels strongly about something like this. And, and that it showed up. I mean, there's a whole album that talks about government and stuff like that. Or not the whole thing, but, you know, a lot of the songs on here. And so there's something that's just picking away at him. And he got it off his chest besides the personal stuff that was going on in his life at the same time, too. So I really like the song. What, what, what is your thoughts on it? I mean, it's not honestly, it's not one of my favorites, but I do like it. I think for me, I like the faster pace tracks like Into the Gun. I mean, sorry, Into the Gun. <laughs> Nailed to the Gun or Into the Pit. Um, but I do like it. I mean, it, it, the subject matter is, is what really highlights it for me. Um, like you said, Rob starts off with the really high-pitched vocals, which work. Um, but there's so, there's part of me that wishes they did that same thing with the dual vocals where it had like the growl in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I feel like there's just something missing, but it's, it's again, not a bad thing. Um, so like, that's the only thing that kind of leaves me confused is I always feel like there's just one layer that like should be there. And then the only other thing that I have to knock about this track is that, um, the solo is just kind of there. It's not even a solo. It's like, it's just some like machinery type sounds and feedback Mm -hmm. and it works with the track but it's like you have all these like really kick-ass solos and then this one just kind of there yeah yeah i mean and that was almost kind of like um almost like a preview to some degree of of what would what would be coming in the 90s for metal with the Mm -hmm. lack the lack of solos so it's kind of yeah it's kind of weird that way i i i i get what you're saying about it but that, that there's a lot of um for this track to me there's a lot of uh, uh atmospheric elements to it because of that solo but it's not like one of those things where it's like very heady or anything like that it's just it's mm-hmm. kind of weird to put into words uh, yeah especially when we're talking about the war of words <laughs> <laughs> all right next song is uh, laid to rest uh, another one of those heavy plotting songs. Um, the slowness of the song makes it heavier. Um, it's a really cool riff on this song. Um, and I, again, I think there's a little bit of that atmosphericness to it. Um, it's kind of dreamlike. Yes, it's know? very dreamlike. And it's got a lot of space to breathe on this song. And th- that's part of what makes it attractive the song but it's not to me it's not one of the best songs on the album or anything like that but it is a good song but it's to me it's not one of the strongest ones um you know it's pretty cool but it's it's not like really memorable um i do like what he does with the the kind of ambient 
kind of sounding vocals. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but he has like a ghostly sound almost yeah, exactly. in part of the song. Um, but yeah, it, to me, it's you know, it's a track six on an album. <laughs> 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 all right, now track seven. Uh, track seven is for all eternity. Um, this is the album ballad. Um, for those of you who are interested, um, very similar in vein to me to "Out in the Cold" uh, from Turbo, um, but not as good. Okay, um, yeah, I can see that. You know, there, there's there's a little bit somewhere in the rhythm of the of the riff. That's kind of has a tinge of out in the cold, but like I said, it's not as good as out in the cold is. Yeah. Um, the the ballad itself is, you know, not that great. Um, it's just it's it's a story, and it's just a ballad on a song, on an album. Quite honestly, that I don't I don't think needed a ballad on it. You know, so yeah, because you know Rob's not going to be you know doing the poison ballads so I, I think it's unnecessary oh god can you imagine him doing like every rose has its thorn <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that'd be pretty pretty funny i'm sure he could pull it off but it just i don't know <laughs> so to me the the placement to the track is a little odd um because it's right after laid to rest which is already kind of a slower track so you're like putting them back to back and because you, you want that like ebb and flow, but this is like it's flowing too long. <laughs> um, the, okay, so here's really the, the, the thing about this track and why it's just really worth listening to, even though it's it's kind of mediocre. Like the, the second half of the song picks up and it's a lot better. But Rob's voice sounds amazing on this track. Because he doesn't do any kind of styling. He doesn't do, like, he doesn't pinch or, um, you know, alter his voice in any way through parts of the song. And you just get his natural tone. And you, you almost forget that his voice can be, like, so, like, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the things, like, you don't get a lot of tracks with that sound. And so it's really worth listening to. And then also, this might be the the best solo on the album. Uh, that that I was going to uh, mention about that. Now that I think about it, because I forgot to write that note down. But yeah, the solo is pretty cool on this song. Yeah, like Into the Pit has a really good solo, and then um, I don't know. I don't know if there's a better solo. Like this, this really might be the best solo on the album. Now, doesn't if I'm not mistaken, doesn't Rob hit like some high notes towards the yeah. end of the song? And, yeah. and and so the the just the the, the show of range on this this mm-hmm. is in, in that regards in how you talk about how beautiful his voice is brings me back to thinking about Victim of Changes from Judas Priest. And yeah, that, and the breakdown part in the middle, I love that part because Rob's just singing as smooth as as can be. I mean, mind you, his voice was smooth back then at that time. But it was such a, a beautiful part in the middle of that song, and then the, then to rip it with the high the high pitch, it was that that's I love "Victim of Change" is one of my favorite pre songs. But yeah, I get what you're saying with this one, I, and I and I forgot about that part. And that, yeah, so. it's it's worth listening to. It's again not the best track on the album, but it has these parts of it that make you go, "This is this is awesome." So. Yeah, I, th- I think not not the best track, but probably one of the best performances on the album. 
Agreed. There you go. So that, that's a good way of putting it. So it's definitely a must listen to, at least. All right. So that brings us to Little Crazy. And this song is cool. I like this song for a lot of different reasons. Um, the intro is pretty neat because when when he comes in as, you know, this that, that kind of like little bendy guitar notes it's like and, almost like a steel guitar the way it, it sounds right you know so he's bending the notes right and he's like it's all right i mean you you get this sense of of a nutbag singing the song <laughs> you know that you you sense rob is a little off singing the song he's a little crazy i, I think he 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 kind of um what do they call that that method acted in the song <laughs> um, which i think is pretty cool about it you know um I, the vocal melody on this song is awesome. The drum work on this song is is awesome. I love the catchy sing along chorus. I mean, people just love singing along. Whereas when I when I saw them in concert, I mean, this was one of the highlights. Um, the the whole start stop rhythm about this song is is what really emphasizes this song because there's so much breathing room in this song. Mm-hmm. So there's there's only one thing that I wish was different about it in. It is it is a really cool track, um, but there is an aspect of they have that that bendy kind of steel guitar sounding uh, bit at the beginning and at the midpoint, and I wish I really wish that basically you had somebody playing along through the song in that style because it would be such a killer second voice to Rob to have that kind of carried through because in my head I could hear it. I could hear somebody like walking along doing that in the song. And it was, that's the only thing that I always find a little disappointing. But other than that, I I think this is like probably a really cool concert track. Yeah. It's very, it was when I heard them, I mean, I saw a fight twice, I believe. And both times they played it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a fan favorite. So that's pretty cool. All right, so that brings us to Contortion, um, song number nine on the album. This is where the, the okay, so put it this way. For me, Contortion, Kill It, the next song, and Vicious, they're a trio of songs that almost kind of have to play together because to me, not that one has one song has anything to do with the next, but they're all so... Uh, it's almost like violent to me. <laughs> I lo- I yeah. love these three songs. Um, there's a lot a lot of anger in these songs. Um, that you know, contortion is funny. It's one of those songs. It's it's weird that it's named contortion because it makes you just want to just you know get a growly face on and just sing with as much guttural presence as you possibly could. Um, this is a got a killer riff. I love the gang vocals on this album. I'm assuming I love the gang vocals on this song. This song is heavy as fuck. I mean, that's all I can really say about it. It is just heavy as fuck. Yeah, I I consider it to be like I keep saying like a mosh pit track, and that's that's really what it feels like. Like that the gang vocals on the word contortion um, are you know it's it's very um, like fist pumping. You know. Mm, yes. Um. So it it is kind of weird, but like I dig it. Like it's fun. Um, and what I do really like is it, it has this kind of dissonant harmony with the guitars that I like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No. This 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 song, like I said, in, in the, the the next three songs, this one and, and the next two, 
are just so angry and violent to a degree. It it it, it makes you get uh, some aggression out, which is cool. You know, when you need it to. You know, you don't want to be listening to this during a bank robbery or anything like that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, because you're going to get in trouble. Um, so anyway. Oh, that's what's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to help or hurt. You would have gotten away with it had you not been listening to... to Con- contortion. Contortion. Yeah. <laughs> or Kill It. <laughs> the next song is Kill It. Um, killer riff. I love the opening riff and it got some killer gang vocals on this song. Um, I don't know. This is, I love this song. I love these three songs together. Uh, every time I listen to these, I have to listen to these three songs. It's like a little group. Uh, you know, it's like a mini EP that I got to listen to at the end of the album. Um, I like this song. Yeah. I mean, these, like you mentioned that the bass you know, was really prevalent on the album. I think these three tracks really are the most prevalent. Um, Cause it is true. Like this is almost like a little trio of, of songs. Um, and for some reason, I, I feel like on these three tracks in particular, they got the mix just right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's re- like, this is a really fun and heavy track. It's I, the, the way that I would describe it, is it's the unholy offspring of Pantera and Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> That's uh, interesting. <laughs> it, the way that Rob almost speaks the vocals in this rhythmic pattern, it's very similar to what Anthony uh, Kiedis does with, with Red Hot Chili Peppers in a way. You're right. Yeah, I can but see it, that. But it has that Pantera sludginess to it, and it's a really cool combo. Mm-hmm. Like there's no other song that I can think of that sounds like this. No, this is this is a unique song. But I gotta say something. The next song is even more unique to me. Vicious, to me, first of all, it was one of my all time favorite drum tracks on a, on a song. Um, I just just the whole intro, of the song with the drums and all that stuff. I tap this rhythm all the time. I'm I'm always tapping it on my desk or on, on, on a table or something. This rhythm always comes up. Um, it's got a killer riff. Now, what's really cool about this song is the dichotomy between the gentle vocals that Rob sings and the literal vicious chorus that is on this song. The contrast between those two is, is what makes this song so amazing to me. You know, besides the production work, besides the the, the the great songwriting, just to be able to put such gentle vocals and then have a song so brutal as this, it, it, it that's it's incredible songwriting. Yeah, no, it's um, it has like this very '90s sound to it, and it almost has like a grunge aspect which is kind of interesting because they did experiment with a lot of sounds, a lot of different things. Um, but it's, it has like this, the vocal sound has a little bit of a grunge kick to it. And that's, that's, I guess the, probably the best I can, I can say, I, I, I do really like the track, but I honestly, of the three, I think kill it's my favorite though. 
Okay, I can see that. The other thing about this, what I what I think is pretty cool with the catchy chorus, um, it it has this. It, to me, it's like an earworm uh, because of the vulgarity that it uses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like you know, vicious, vicious motherfucker. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just, you keep saying that in your head. It's sort yeah. of like how um, there's that part in Creeping Death from Metallica at towards the end. Um, when they right right before, so they do the part where they, they're telling everybody die, die, die. You know, and it, right before mm-hmm. they get to the part where um he he starts singing the the main chorus part of that that part. You know, Jason when he they used to do it live, he was like, motherfucker die die, and then you know, mm-hmm. then James would come in kicking his his vocals. That that's the same kind of intensity. So you know when he, he's like. You know, talking vicious, vicious, and the bass player JJ is just yelling, "Motherfucker!" You know, it's. <laughs> but then, the, yeah. then you know, then he's got these nice little, gentle vocals, and you know, it's just it's so weird to me. Yeah, but there's I, a I, lot of attitude in the in yes, the track. I, I that's that's why I love this song so much. Um, but I can see where you're coming from when you're talking about the the the, the hints of of grunge to it, and that the other thing along with all of that is that. Even though you say there's a lot of experimentation on this album, what I like about it is that from beginning to end, it 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 does still seem relatively cohesive. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, but but it's it's cohesive where it needs to be, but it's experiments where it needs to as well. Right. And that like that that obviously is something that Rob needed to do. So it's I think it's a, a well done. Um, amount of exploration while still keeping sight of what the project was. Right, right, exactly. So the project being the last song, needing to finish the, the album, is a song called Reality, A New Beginning. Um, cool riff to, to start the song. It's got a very catchy verse melody to it. Um, it's got a very unique and catchy chorus. So you know, the rhythm section to me, is what really makes this song heavier than what it really is. Um, so, you know, the b- b- between J.J. and Scott, you know, just banging away at their instruments, it, it makes the song a little bit heavier because it's not really that heavy of a song when you, th- when you break it down. Um, but the song is just a regular four-minute song, but when you look at the track, the track says it's like 13 or 12 minutes or something like that. There's a bonus track at the end of the song. It's uh, right at the 9.44 mark. The song called Jesus Saves starts. And that's a completely different kind of out of left field track. Um, it there's, I, I don't want to say there's no production to it. I think they purposely stripped it down and put like, you know, they, like they put the, you know, the tone button on your stereo. They, they took the bass off and they put it all the way up to, to the high end mm-hmm. and and they stripped it of any bass whatsoever. And I, I think it's purpose. It's, it's almost like listening to it on a transistor radio. Um, it's almost like listening to Metallica and Justice for All. Well, there was, well. <laughs> that was I, a joke about the no, bass. I'm it, sorry. It's, it's funny because, but there's a lot of bass drums on Justice. Just, just yeah, no I know. Guitar. It was a joke. <laughs> Don't joke about that. Stop it. <laughs> anyway, um, so re- so tell me what you think about the song itself, uh, Reality and New Beginning. You know, it's 
so Rob does something different with his vocals throughout this album because this is not a priest album, but there are times where um, it sounds like he's doing more of his priest style vocals. Um, whereas other times he does kind of the same kind of thing he was doing with vicious. Um, it's not one of my favorite tracks on the album. It's, it's an ending, you know, it kind of ties in to everything, but at the same time, um, you know, by this point I've, I've heard the best and now we're just kind of like, you know, working our way out of the album. Right. Right. I, I, I agree with that. And that's, that's where the, the whole Jesus saves and bonus track thing is kind of weird because you really, at this point you've gotten to the end of the album. You're kind of like, all right, you know, the album's over. And yeah. And I wasn't a fan of that thing. Like people did this in the nineties and like early two thousands where it ha- there was like a hidden track and I just, most of the time, didn't give a crap about them. I think that started with Nirvana and the Nevermind album. Like It might have, yeah. You know, so that was kind of the big thing. I mean, know, Tool did it and mm-hmm. got who knows else. It's just, I don't know. But Jesus Saves is not a bad song. Um, it's just a really, like, out of left field kind of song, you know, yeah. that, they, that they threw in there. So that rounds out the album. Um I think it's a pretty cool album. Like I said, you know, I said a lot about it in the beginning. It's the production work on this is amazing. The the performances from all five um, musicians are is, is just top notch. So I really really enjoy this album. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. So um, you though are going to lead the way for Halford and the Resurrection album. So um, before we you start that though, I want to just mention who the five players are on the Halford band because it's a completely different band which is weird like I, I almost c- kind of un- didn't understand why he decided to just chuck the whole band and come back but at the same time he did have that experimental two thing in the middle and so anyway. yeah I mean he did something completely different that there. was off the wall and yeah I mean uh, were the the musicians available for Halford I mean not necessarily and then also this was a different different project oh yeah fight i mean scott so. was already back in in priest at this point mm-hmm. um so anyway and russ had had already left for the second album for, for 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 fight so anyway um patrick latchman played guitars uh for those of you who know patrick he was the vocalist right for um for damage uh, plan for damage plan so then there was mike or is it it's metal mike metal mike class i don't even know how to say his last name it's like Chasiac or something like that, or Klaziak. I'm not 100% sure on that one. I, neither am I. <laughs> and then there was Ray Raindo, who played bass, and then Bobby Drazombek, who plays drums. And Bob, Who's Bobby playing with now? It's not, um, a, it's not a metal band. That I, I don't or is know. It, Give or me is a he, second. Oh, no, no, no. I think he's playing for Fate's Warning. That's who he plays with, so it is a metal band. I think he's playing with, with Fate's Warning. But anyway, this is the band that has the hardest last names to pronounce, so <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to move on from there. Uh, let it, Go ahead and talk about Resurrection. Uh, and you didn't mention Roy Z, did you? Uh, I did not mention Roy Z as the producer. No, I did not. Because didn't he do some of the work on the album as well? Um, I don't think so. I think he was just I want to say he did ad- additional guitars on the album. 
Because the additional guitars, I, there's always the additional guitars. Yes, Roy C did, <laughs> did do some additional guitar work. Uh, Pete Parada played drums on the song "The One You Love to Hate," and Ed Roth played keyboards on "Twist and Silent Screams," and it was produced by Roy Z. And by the way, "Fight" was produced by Rob Halford and a guy named Addy Baugh. So that's uh, there. You have that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Resurrection starts things off. I mean, you got to remember, this is also seven years different than Fight. So in Fight, he is, you know, coming right out of doing Judas Priest. He's at a stage in his life where he's, you know, kind of uncomfortable with things that are going on because he is a gay man in a, uh, you know, in a metal community and doesn't know if he's going to be accepted and at the time probably wouldn't have been in a, on a large scale. Um, and he's, he's living in a world where he's not allowed to be himself. So he does a project where he can kind of, you know, express himself fully without other voices being involved to the same degree as say Judas Priest, where you have very strong personalities that are writing the music. Um, this, this was his chance to do something. It didn't work out. And then he moved on to doing something even more different with two. And then this is his return to his metal God sound, because at this point in his life, he wanted to be back in priest. And he talks about that in, in detail. Um, but he couldn't be, it's, it's almost akin to like Mike Portnoy now where he wants to be back in dream theater, but he doesn't have a spot. So I think there's probably some kinship there on, and that, that regard where um you know he he needed to do something and this is not unlike what kk is doing now so that's an interesting point there too. that that is true but at least rob didn't call it you know like rob's priest <laughs> no i but i don't care about the name whatsoever i just care about what the music he's putting out is and and so like yeah kk's priest isn't the best name um but i'm I enjoyed the album a lot. Yeah, it's um, a good album. And it, and it again it's it's a similar concept. It's him being able to put out music um in the same kind of vein but not in the band. So, um the album starts off with Resurrection and it is a killer track and so meaningful. Um, he basically recaps his history from his personal life to Judas Priest to Fight to Two to this point, you know, at this point, you know, uh, he doesn't have the current history of rejoining Judas Priest. This is his feelings, his anger, his desire, everything comprehensive in, a, in one metal track. And it is truly a resurrection of the metal god. And at this point, you know, hearing this in 2000, um, this was awesome. Dude, seeing that when I walked into the record store and I saw this CD, I was like, oh, yes, he is back i didn't even hear it <laughs> and i just saw the cover well, yeah the, i mean it's him on a motorcycle on the motorcycle leather. with the jacket i'm like oh my man is back you know i thought yep. that was so cool um this song yes the tale of rob and his return to his metal roots um i, I love this song this song is awesome uh painkiller style vocals uh mm -hmm. with the falsetto screaming um pff, killer killer riff 
It's catchy. The melody's catchy. The chorus is catchy. The guitar solos are ripping. I mean, this song is the bomb. Um, very similar in vain. You compared the two albums, Fight and you know, Fight and, and Halford. You got Into the Pit and you got Resurrection. They both have the falsetto vocals. They both are coming out with you know, ripping guitar work. Um, Into the Pit, a little bit quicker. Um, but this song is just killer. The story behind it is is awesome as well. I love this song. But 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 still two very different tracks while having same kind of aspects to them. Yes, which, exactly. Which is yeah. So this is like more traditional older metal in a way, while being really heavy. So it's like the it, this feels a lot of ways like a logical step from Painkiller. You know. He, you know, I, something I just thought of when you when you when you mentioned the comparison, and I, I started thinking about it. Even though it's not recorded in the same way, F- War of Words from Fight, there's almost kind of like an industrial tinge to it, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I kind of think that's kind of what I like about that a lot, as as far as that because there's there's nothing in it that is like. Um, Typical industrial, where it's just kind of uh, computer-generated, you know, repetitive. Tr- so you're saying tracks. it's not like two? It's no, it's not like two <laughs> at all. It's not like Nine Inch Nails. It's not like Ministry. But there's yeah. st- there's still a hint, like a whiff in the air of of industrial metal. Yeah, you know. So, but anyway, back to Resurrection. Uh, so the next track is uh, sorry. So the next track is Made in Hell. Um, to me, like this is another banger. It is much in the vein of what Halford would do in his solo career going forward. So if you like this track, like definitely listen to Halford 4 because it has a lot of the same elements. Um, so what's interesting is like all of his solo albums have a unique sound. They don't sound consistently the same he even has one of them as a christmas album um but there are elements that are tied together and this one sounds a lot there or this particular track sounds a lot like what he would do in halford four um and it's a little cheesy like the lyrics are cheesy but in a good way like in a iron maiden cheesy kind of way like i i really dig this track i like the song a lot too um and this is another autobiographical song. Um, so there's two songs in a row that mm-hmm. basically tell the story of Rob Halford. Um, and again, comparing it to War of Words, this is another song that kind of slows it down from the from the, the intro, the beginning song, and Rob goes back to his normal vocals. Again, the, the, the two songs have no comparison to each other. It's just the style from one, you know, ripping falsetto vocals into your normal vocals. Um, mm-hmm. And the slower, the slower song, more understandable kind of song. So I, I really dig this song a lot. Um, it, it's, it's to me, what we've all grown to know and love about Rob and his songwriting style. Oh, for sure. There's, there's a cheese, there's a cheesy element to it, but that's what, what Priest and Maiden are known for. Even Maiden's are a little more cheesy, even though they're more serious. It's kind of weird. They do a lot more serious songs, but there's a cheesy element to it at yeah. the same time. Um, so the third track is Locked and Loaded, and this slows things down a little bit. It's a plotter. Um, 
it's it's a head bobber you know like if you mm-hmm. know there's certain songs that just make your head bob and it's probably a really good live track um it's it's not like it doesn't do a whole lot for me except for honestly it does have one of the best solos on the album um one thing to note here as a whole this album does not have the solos that that war of words has um the guitar work in general like the riffs are really good but the solos are just not here um but in the context of the album locked and loaded it's it's fits fine it's where it should be like logically in the grand scheme of an album um but yeah i think it's kind of a down step from from uh made in hell um I, I think it's a really good song myself. I like the song a lot. Um, what what this song does remind me of, it reminds me a lot of Judas Priest. This is a very Judas Priesty song, kind of song. Yeah, um, more so than the first two tracks. Right, exactly. And I mean, it's I like the riff and the chorus a lot. I like it. Uh, I think it's an awesome song. You know, is it the best song on the album? No, but it's it. I think it's a pretty good song. Yeah, I can I can definitely see Judas Priest doing this track. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the next one is Nightfall. Um, It's slower. uh, Pretty heavy, though. And it has some really interesting guitar riffs. So the thing is, it's not a very complicated song, but it has these little moments of kind of intricate guitar work. And I think that's kind of like the highlight of it. And I really like the chorus in its simplicity. Um, it's not complicated whatsoever, but it it's one of those that allows Rob's vocals to just kind of like breathe, as you put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the solos, not bad. Like in the in the grand scheme of like the album, like I mentioned, the solos are are kind of weak as a whole. Like this one's not bad. This, I, what I like about this song is is got a very melodic riff, and it's got a very catchy chorus. A uh, very melodic chorus. So, I mean, it, it, it's again, you know, you, you you we're talking about Rob Halford and him wanting to be back in Priest. You can you can sense it. You know, Locked and Loaded had a lot of that, and this song has a lot of latter day Priest um, be, before he left kind of style to it. Um, so, and and he's singing more in that Priesty vein. Than he had in any of his previous work, and so it, you could tell you're sensing this. Yes, it's a Halford solo band, but you're sensing there's a lot more to it, and it's almost like a, a like it's almost like a, a resume tape. Uh, can I be the singer of your band? You know, and this is this is the tape that he gives him. Look, I, I can sing pretty good. You know, and, and there's some really good stuff on it. Um, Nightfall is pretty good. He has it's a lot of range to it. Yeah. Definitely. So the next track is Silent Screams. Um, this is a fairly typical, like, slower, like, what what you would consider a priest ballad. Because priest doesn't really do ballads, per se. But, like, if, I think you, you know what I mean when I say, like, a priest-style ballad. Um, mm-hmm. This is kind of their typical thing. Um, it's not bad. It's a little repetitive. Um, I like 
though, when Rob harmonizes with himself in his higher pitch and his natural register. That is a really cool aspect of the song um, that really, I think it makes it, it one of those points that draws you in. Um, it has some really nice moments. Um, it does get much better in the second half with the like more machine gun vocal section and has some like overdubbing experimentation, which I thought was really cool. Um, had the opening been maybe a little shorter, because it's like it's like a minute and a half, almost two minutes before it really gets into the good part. Um, I, I would probably think it's a better track, but it's still like a really good one. Yeah, when when you first listen to this, you're like, is this a ballad? Yeah. Yeah, it's a ballad. Or is it? Because when it hits that mark at 342, it's almost like it had been boiling and percolating for the first three minutes of the song. Yeah, exactly. And, and then the song just kicks into high gear. And it has some of the best drum work on the album is in this song. Um, this is really where Bobby shows off his, drum, his drumming st- skills. Um, and... You know, then at the 520 mark, the song returns back to the ballad pace. So there's that, that breakdown is so cool. You know, uh, the words, the, the the style that he's singing in, there's a lot to that in that short two minute or minute and a half period of time. But it, it's, you know, it, it definitely leaves its mark. But the beginning and the end of the song is, is, is still ballad-like and, and very different. Yeah, it's but the the end of the song ties in so well because it you know it's, it it references the beginning, mm-hmm. but also it's it's just long enough. It's fine. Like I like that length there, and so the second half feels very complete, whereas the first half feels maybe a little too long. Um, okay, I can see that. All right, so the next track though is the one you love to hate. And that is a killer one. It's banger. Um, it's so good. It's a combo of Rob Halford with Bruce Dickinson. Like, what more could you ask for? <laughs> um, the the back and forth between the the vocalists is just aggressive. And when they sing together, I just like want to pump my fist in the air. Like, I love listening to this in the car. Um, you know, both are using their more rough vocals. And it's just heavy. The riff itself is just awesome. Um, this is all, but like, this is all about the vocals. The solo is almost not there, but it doesn't matter because that's not the point of the song. The point of the song is you've got two of the greatest metal vocalists going back and forth. And man, this is this. If you don't, if you don't hear anything else from this album. As a metal fan, you have an obligation to go find this track. This song is so awesome. The riff is so killer when it starts off. I I love that. I mean, that's just one of those that you you know open the windows, crank it, and and, and share it with the neighborhood. <laughs> I love that riff. Um, Bruce does the first first half of the first verse, um, and then Rob does the second half, and then they trade in the second verse. Rob goes first, and then Bruce goes second. Um, they do the choruses together. Yes, the the way they're singing, it, it's kind of weird. It's it, it's almost angry, but to me, it's I would almost say it's the most natural of the of the way the both of them sing. Like you know, we all know how Bruce sings, and he's got that that whole operatic style. This is not that. 
this is him kind of almost number the beast era vocals where he's just kind of laying into you. Um, and it's a lot like his solo stuff in yeah, a way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very strong and forceful. Yes. Um, but it's not, yeah, it's not that operatic style whatsoever. Right, and then Rob's vocals is very similar. He, you know, he's not; it's not smooth, but he's. He, you can tell that's just his straight voice. I mean, he is singing and he is pointing at you, and that's you know he's not he's not doing it smooth for a reason. I love this song. Uh, the solo that you were mentioning, it, to me, it's not even a solo. It's almost like the, you know he, uh, whoever does the solo. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to probably be Patrick, but it's kind of like he hits a note and he grabs the whammy bar and and then he kind of try. They blend in the the screeching vocals and the high pitch howls along with the solo, which is again a screaming note, and and then it just goes into the ver- you know the chorus again. That, that's all there yeah, it's, is to it's it. It's like it's it barely exists, you know. Right, exactly. It's, it's and, there, but it's it's not really. It's it's hard to describe it as a solo, right. even though it is kind of a solo. It's just the breakdown part where they yeah, a, yeah. They, they're they're pumping themselves up again. I love this song. I mean, it's just no if fans or buts about it. It's freaking it awesome. Ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next track is another banger. It's it's Cyber World. Um, this is one of the standout tracks on the album. It's pretty pulse pounding and has a really cool riff and chorus. Um, the solos again is just decent and it, but it leads into this really awesome guitar harmony. And I'm always a big fan of guitar harmonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, this has got a cool riff. I love the riff on this song. Um, this is a very priest like verse chorus melody to me. Um, this is again another another example of Rob saying, "I'm I'm 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 over here, guys. Check it out. This is this could have been our song." In a way, it is like I get what you're saying, but at the same time, this is something that was kind of new in his repertoire too. Like the the way that he sings Cyberworld, you didn't really hear that in Priest. There, are, like the rest of the track. It is, but th- this was something that he actually brought back to the table when he went back to Priest, and then he did it also in his preceding uh, solo albums after this. Um, but it it was like Rob brought some new tricks along with him too over mm-hmm. his experience, and this is one of those that I feel like he influenced Priest um, more than what they did before influencing him. Yeah, I, I can I agree with that. That that's uh, definitely a notable thing. All right, so track eight is where the album slows down for me. <laughs> with the I had track, the same, I had the same thought. <laughs> with the track slow down, <laughs> um, and that is a pun, but it also is very true. Um, Rob does showcase his cleaner vocals, uh, which I always like, you know, it, it, it does sound really nice. Like I mentioned that, you know, in, in fight, he did the same thing where he showed like, kind of like doesn't show those aspects of his, of his voice where he's augmenting it or modifying it anyway. He does have that here, which is nice. It's not as good as it was on fight. Um, but, 
it just kind of drags on for me. Like it's it's not bad, but by about the midpoint of the song, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> um, Speed this, it up. <laughs> this song feels like a leftover song from the Painkiller Sessions. Uh, there's a, there's a hint. Dude, of this a- no, this would have never made it onto Painkiller because there's nothing this slow on Painkiller. Exactly. Painkiller is a cohesive, amazing album. This, if <laughs> I, 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 I just just if this was from the painkiller section or our sessions, they should have burned it. <laughs> That's why I didn't make it. Uh, yeah. there's, 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 there's a like a like we were talking about a whiff of a touch of evil on this song. Um, yeah, but touch of evil so good. This is Yes, yes it good. is. That's why I'm saying that's why this song didn't make it. <laughs> you know? This this why it was what? Um Painkiller came out in what 90, 1990. Okay, and this is 2000, right? So this is 10 years later like no, there's a reason why, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's not that good of a song. But it, to me, that's what I, I, I caught. That there was like a little tinge of it. Um, Fair it's enough. It's got a, it's got a, a decent riff to it. Um, the chorus is a little different. It's a little bit of catchiness with the slow down part. It's um, just too long. Like it just keeps going, and it's really not even that long of a song. It just feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny about this is from from this point on, the album takes a left turn for me. Uh, and we'll talk sure. about all the other songs as we go down. Because don't get me wrong. Here's the funny thing. We're not even talking about the 2006 reissue. because that, that I wish we were. It's got a couple of good songs on there. You know, I know Sad Wings is one of your favorite songs. Sad Wings kicks ass, man. But, like, it's um, so good. The, the, the rest of the, it's, it's like two albums at this point, you know. Yeah. Um, so go on. Let's, let's talk about Twist. <laughs> so... I do like Twist though. Twi- Twist is another slower track, um, but I do like it a lot more than Slow Down. And it's got this cool dissonant riff, and the chorus is really interesting. Like the way, like if you think about the the vocal, like the the or the lyric of Twist, and you think about like what it means in the context of the song. It's not like not like twist like a song or something. It's like twisting a knife, you know. Mm-hmm. And so like it is. It is like. A song that the first time you listen to, you probably won't like it as much as if you just kind of like listen to the lyrics and go along with it. It's not again, not it's not one of the best tracks on the album, but I I actually do like this one. This this song, okay, we're talking about leftovers. To me, this feels like a leftover riff, not the song, but the a riff. Yeah, yeah. F- from the War of Words sessions. Um, yeah, but that's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing, um, but it it to me this it, it's it's just a oh I have this riff here that I had left over we use it we'll use it for this song but oddly enough that's not the case because this is a be. Bob this is a Bob <laughs> Halligan Jr. song yeah it um, couldn't possibly be <laughs> right okay, this is the, the the guy who wrote some heads are gonna roll is the same guy who wrote this song um, okay interesting um, this song to me is B side at best. All right, it shouldn't be on the album. It should. This should be like a, the the B side to a single that no one has heard of, and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, That's funny. I you know. I mean I like I said I I decently like it. I don't think it's a standout at by any means. But I think I guess 
the more I listened to the lyrics, I started to get into it more. And sometimes it's just like that with music, you know. Yeah, no, of course. You know, sometimes uh, if you read the lyrics of a song, you, you can the song could be shit, and you're like, but that's got great lyrics, and I, you love yeah, that song. It's true, <laughs> you, you know. So this song uh, has a sound and feel that's different than anything on the rest of the album, and and that's I think something that happens with the rest of these songs. It almost seems like when they right after slow down, it's like. They finished the sessions and they went on tour. They're like, Rob- we need more songs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we need more songs. Oh, shit. Now we got to show up someplace over here and put together an album. And it just sounds completely different. But um, there's more songs still. So let's go. <laughs> let's talk about them. All right. So Temptation. Uh, the pace isn't going to pick up, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, so this does remind me of some of the stuff again, that would appear later on Judas Priest vocally. Um, he did some of this kind of style in, uh, what was the album? Um, Angel of Retribution, where he was like, epitaph, what was it? Epitaph? Is that the, or eulogy? Eulogy. Um, it's got some aspects of that, you know, so there's, there's something like, like Judas Priest, Obviously, had their kind of bluesy era, and then they got really heavier um, as time went on. By the time they like he left Judas Priest after Painkiller, they were at their heaviest. And then, um, you know, he obviously did a few different things, and they got you know, you know, back into doing a little bit slower stuff after Angel of Retribution. Um, but you saw hints of kind of where they would go with different stuffs, uh, uh, you know, later on after that album. Um, this is kind of, I feel like this track and some of the stuff on this album is the catalyst for that more, um, I want to say like Rob would hold notes out longer is maybe the best way to put it. Um, it's like he he really got into kind of showcasing the vibrato a bit more and that's that's what he does here on this song um the solo again is all right um i do feel like again that's really just kind of the theme of the album is all right solos with good riffs um (laughs) um but um yeah it's eh, yeah i can i can pass it I'd rather I'd rather have another song like Sad Wings on it for sure. Like Yeah, it makes no sense why Sad Wings was left off this album. Yeah. Anyway, maybe, Temptation. Maybe it was maybe it was a legal thing. Who well, knows? I mean, you never know because I mean for those who don't know when you listen to the song Sad Wings, he says the full name of the of their second album, Sad Wings yeah, of Destiny. Yeah, Sad Wings of Destiny. So yeah. it, and I as soon as I saw that I'm like is this like a leftover song from 1974? Not at all. <laughs> so, definitely not. Um, Temptation, yeah, it's a nice riff. It's a song about a bad relationship. Uh, there's not a lot more to say about it. You know? I would say I have a temptation to push the skip button. <laughs> all right, well, we skip to song number 11. So track number 11 is Drive. Um, so this is, it starts off kind of heavy, but like hits me with the, total you know left turn because the vocals come in and, and it's like kind of bluesy and almost like a like he's 
doing like a cheerleader cheer. It's all, it's like, it's almost like an old rock and roll song from the fifties. Yeah, right. It's it's so different. Um, so coming off of this kind of like heavy intro, it it's like what? Like it's, it just smacks you across the face, like uh, what? <laughs> this <laughs> like you it, fell asleep in class, you know? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't care for this track. Uh, it's all right. This this is where you know what we're talking about for, for everyone that's listening out there. From from twist on and even from slow down on from, for the most part, the album just kind of just goes into a different direction. And like we're saying, these songs are like leftovers. It, that's the way it feels to me. They're definitely different production. I mean, this this song definitely does not sound like it had anything to do with the first part of the album um it's got a cool riff um but the production is different uh the sound is different the, the almost the play i mean the song writing style for this song is different um so it, it tells you a lot about it i mean it was it was it was written by rob roy z and bob martlett which uh you know this is a guy from the record company so i don't see why it's so different other than they they purposely did it that way it just the song itself is just not that good. It's weird. It's it like you said. It sounds like a, an old style song. Production is is funky. I don't know. I don't like it either. Eh, it's it's just one I can live without. However, the next track does tie things up kind of nicely. Uh, Savior is you know like the pace picks up again. It took a while. Um, and you know it ties back into the sound of the first few tracks. It's not as good or as impactful, um, but it but it makes sense. Um, so it's a nice fatal- fatality. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice f- uh, finale, um, and it has like one of the better guitar solos on the album. To be honest, like it it really does. It's it's it's, it's better than decent, I would say. And then. Um, it does feature another really nice harmony section. If this followed, you know, like if you cut out, say, slow down, temptation, drive, this would be a solid, you know, 10 album song uh, or 10 album song, 10 song album. And it would sound a lot better. Like sometimes too much is too much. Like cut out three of the tracks on a 12 track album and it's not like you're not putting out enough content and it's probably going to sound a lot better. I agree with you. That's a rant for another day. Yeah. I, I, that was something I wanted to talk about too, was just these albums that are unnecessarily long for the fact that just because you have 80 minutes to play with on a CD, doesn't mean you have to give us 80 minutes of music. Like you know? imagine, imagine if Metallica had taken just the best tracks and put it on this new uh, Hardwired. Hardwired is great, but there are some tracks that way outclass others. And you think about it, and you if they had if they had cut it down to one CD, it would probably be an, an instant classic. It's mm. it's a great album, but it could be a classic. And and so that's the way I think about it. Like think about Slayer with some of their short run times. Those albums are like near perfect though. Yeah, but Slayer was punky, so that's why the songs are short, you know. But that, but that's that I'm not even talking about the length of the song, I'm talking about the length of the album. 
Oh yeah, they like, never did anything more than ten songs. Yeah, they didn't have to. Like, don't do fifteen freaking songs on an album. No, it's and the fun, the funny thing about the Metallica Hardwired there's only twelve songs. You know. <laughs> yeah, but it goes on for seventeen yeah, hours. I, I think um, I think if they would have done like you know, if you think about Master Puppets and Ride the Lightning, were only eight song albums, mm-hmm. and they and they were. 45, 50 minutes long. So they and they're were, near perfect. And they're near perfect. I think if you take the first side of um, Hardwired, which is the first six songs, and then take three of the songs from, from the other one, you would probably have a, a good nine-song album, and that's all you needed, you know? But yeah, I think- and, I, and I'm not trying to, like, just criticize them specifically or anything, but I'm just thinking that was just an example that came to mind where it, it's like sometimes you just don't need more. And I think this album in particular resurrection does showcase that where i think we've talked about it a few times when we've done these these album comparisons where sometimes it's just cut a couple songs and this album would be so much better so here's the funny thing like iron maiden's the opposite they only have 10 songs on this new album but they freaking last forever That's that's true. <laughs> you know, like, hey, you know what? Maybe you should just make it a five-song album because it's already <laughs> going to be an hour long. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Um, Savior, to me, um, it's got a cool riff. Uh, it's got a nice melody in the chorus. But you've gotten to this point. Yes, the, the song itself sounds like it belongs with the rest of the album. It's cohesive. Yeah. So it does make it cohesive. So it is a way to, to, to finish off the album. And it, it definitely needed finishing off by this point. It was just like, come on, we're way <laughs> too deep into this album. And But the, the songs at the beginning are just so good that you, like, I, I have to say, like, I, I've always felt like I liked this album way more than I did when I analyzed it. Because there are such really good tracks on it, but it, it was I it was almost like a feeling like I had like with Bark at the Moon versus Ultimate Sin, where I had convinced myself that I liked Bark at the Moon more because I I listened to some of those tracks more often. But as a whole, like as the album, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's deceiving. Yes. So it is. I think you get where I'm going with this, where I I would say honestly that. I I would pick fights War of Words over Halford Resurrection. Right, and I agree with you. Um, for me, as I mentioned, you know, at the beginning, War of Words is one of my all-time favorite albums, just in general. Um, it, it's it. There are some lulls in the album, so it's not a perfect album for me, but it's it's pretty pretty up there. Um, yeah, have, I mean, it, obviously, like like I mentioned, like there's a few tracks that I didn't like all that much on War Words, but I think as a whole, it's more cohesive. There's more experimentation, and there's an attitude there that's that's like you you feel how Rob is feeling. Right, right. So I there, you know, side one, if you want to look at it that way, of Resurrection is awesome. You know, I love those first bunch of songs, mm-hmm. you know, and then you throw in the one you love to hate and cyber world and you've got oh. yourself a good collection of songs. Oh, it's yeah. just, it, it's just the, the, the level of song just dropped dramatically. Yeah. After I, that. I, like I said, I, even if like, say, say you didn't have all those fillers and save your 
ended the album, you might feel differently about it because it does feel cohesive with the rest of the album. Correct. I mean, it's it's not again not going to be a top tier song, but I think it's stronger if it you know in the context of of fitting in with those other tracks. Absolutely. All right, so we've we've laid out our opinion. Both of us agree that to to us, War of Words is the better album. Um, for those of you who are interested out there, War of Words was released a couple of years ago uh, on vinyl for Record Store Day, so you may still be able to find a copy out there for you for those people who are into vinyl. But the CD itself is still available. It's a really good CD. Pick it up if you get the chance. Resurrection is still available. Actually... Hold on, Resurrection got pulled off the market. So I don't know if Rob re-released everything because he had it on that, that Metal God Records or Metal Is Records or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he released it himself and then he pulled it. And he was actually selling it at one point on the Judas Priest, um, uh, which we call it, store, on their online store. But I don't think he's th- those are currently available. Uh, to purchase right now. So they might be out there, you know, still, you know, like on the used section or something like that. I, I could you be wrong. probably find it at like a half price or probably right. on, I, I don't know. You might be able to find it used on Amazon or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it might still be out there now. Um, but if you, if you have a chance to get it, get it because it is still a very good album for the first half of it. So um, I think, uh, and that's honestly better than a lot of bands. Like, let's just be honest. There's a lot of bands that put out one hit single, and that's all they ever do. So if you can put out an album that's that's, and a lot of people aren't going to always get through the whole album, listening, you know, in one sitting either. So it's a different world than it used to be, and people aren't really listening to albums in the same way either. But as metal fans, I think we are. Um, yes, and it is still available on Amazon. So you, okay. can, you can still pick it up. And if for anybody interested, they can pick up everything. The complete albums collection from Rob Halford includes Fight, Two, and Halford. All the albums. Uh, can know. I get like a, a non-complete version? <laughs> <laughs> Skipping the two part? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's rough. All right. Well, that's that part tonight. So now we get to our big four. And our big four tonight is... Big four Judas Priest albums. Uh, we've done Judas Priest songs. We've done Rob Halford songs, but we haven't done Judas Priest albums. So I went first last time. I think it's time you go first this time. All right. So my number four, uh, I know it's it's probably not their best album by any means, um, but I think for me it meant a lot because it represented the you know, the priest camp returning to form and that's angel of retribution. Um, I like a lot of the tracks on this album. Um, I like, I mean, I, I like every track on the album to be honest. Um, but specifically there are a few that I really think stand out above the others. Um, wheels of fire, I think is, is one of those that just kind of sticks in my head all the time. Um, demonizer is like, a sequel song to painkiller and like in context of lyrics um deal with the devil the actual track angel angel of retribution uh judas rising i mean i could go on like the whole album kicks ass it's it's not their most exploratory album like they weren't really doing anything new but that didn't matter because 
this was a long time coming Rob Halford coming home and it's such a good album uh I just absolutely love it uh, my number three is gonna surprise a lot of people um, but you have to think about it like when I was listening to Judas Priest this was this was like in my formative years of listening to the band and also it may not be a real Judas Priest album um, in the context of a lot of fans eyes but I love Jugulator um, this I know you have very different opinions on the album than I do um, but it's it's very heavy it's it's got a lot of really good tracks and I think if it was released under any other name than Judas Priest I think a lot more people would like it but obviously there's that perception of this is not the priest that I grew up with and I totally totally understand that but when you grow up in a different time period and this is what comes out like for me it wasn't out of the ordinary so I I absolutely love this album I think like there's there's a few really standout tracks uh cathedral spires at the very end that uh you know it shows the sh- the the range that Tim Ripper Owens can sing in uh bullet train um uh, Burn in Hell is probably my favorite track on the album. Jugulator, um, Bloodstained, I, I, that was a hit with a lot of people, even fans that weren't necessarily fans of this era of the band. So I think it's one of those, I've mentioned it before a long time ago when we did our What Should You Be Listening To. Um, I, I stand by this album. I think it's fucking great. My number two is Screaming for Vengeance. I think that's probably a lot of people's number one album. Screaming for Vengeance was their first really true metal album. You can say British Steel was, but to be honest, it's it's not that metal sound that would come later, in, at least in my eyes. Like, British Steel was that tipping point that took us to that direction, but Screaming for Vengeance was what, like, really, to me, said metal. Um, Hellion electric eye combo uh, that I mean riding on the wind uh, I even like take these chains uh, pain and pleasure uh, screaming for vengeance the track oh my god wow um, it's just it's a near perfect album you got another thing coming um, you know I don't like that as much because I think it's a simpler song but you can't deny like the impact that that track had on it um and then my number one i think we all know what's coming is painkiller um painkiller to me is a perfect album there is not a track on there i don't like i listen to this from beginning to end every time um from like from painkiller to one shot at glory i can't think of a bad track I can't think of a track I don't love, and I love the story that it's telling throughout it. It's not a concept album per se, but there is this this cohesive songwriting that tells about these stories of these, uh, you know, metal saviors, uh, you know, uh, giant cataclysms, you know, battles, and it just it's so epic and so grandiose, and it is the heaviest album they ever released. You can say some of the stuff that they're putting out is is heavy. Now it is, but it's not the same as Painkiller, and it's it 
they're never going to be the same at, as that at that point either. There's there's just the factors of everything that was going on at the time, the animosity between the guitar players, the the, the you know the stuff that Rob was going through with his personal life, that metal tipping point of of the change in sound and metal. It, it's, this is a perfect album. Do you do you like Painkiller? I, I really couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Painkiller a lot too. Um, so my list is a little different than yours. Um, you've got two albums the same that, that cross over. Um, I know which ones they are. I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, and they're they're in different places. That's for sure. It's um, obviously Jugulator. <laughs> yeah, that's my number ten. no all right so my number four and this is going to surprise some people out there uh, as as well um my number four is firepower the last judas priest album that album it grew on me it was weird like i immediately listened to firepower that the song was great i listened to the first few tracks i'm like wow this is really good stuff but when you get deeper into the album you realize there's a lot of of there's a lot of depth to that album and there's a lot of things going on that it it's it's a combination of a lot of different eras of Judas Priest, you know, not necessarily the, the the early early eras, but you know it's got a combination of the Painkiller era, it's got a combination of the Screaming for Vengeance era, uh, it's got a combination of the you know the the Redeemer of Souls, Redeemer of Souls, is that mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah the Redeemer of Souls, era. so it's got all that combined into it and it is just just a lot of melody on the album a lot of choruses some really good playing yeah, performance wise you know between Richie and Glenn and Scott doing some you know and you know of course Ian just holds down the backbeat he's so so well I mean it's a really good album for me um number two excuse me number three is Painkiller um I really enjoy that album a lot um I I don't enjoy it as much as you do but that's that's neither here nor there Uh, I think it's a great album um you know Painkiller to me is just a fucking amazing song um and it just kind of just rips your face off when you hear it. <laughs> Every time you hear that drum intro, you just kind of like, you're waiting for that guitar to screech in. And then all of a sudden, you know, it just Rob just comes in your face and just rips it off. So Oops. it's. <laughs> oh, it's... nothing i can say that will fix that <laughs> because it's like you know i was gonna say when rob comes in he blows your face off <laughs> it's the same fucking thing <laughs> i'll leave it in <laughs> so funny oh man uh so anyway uh 
Painkiller is a really good album, and I like it. It's my number three. <laughs> we got to get through this. Yeah, let's finish up. <laughs> oh, okay. Number two uh, for, for me is Defenders of the Faith. Um, coming coming off of, of, of Screaming for Vengeance, it was a pretty good... I mean, that was just... I. The the anticipation, the build up, the excitement that there was a new Judas Priest album coming, uh, essentially two years after, after There's, it was so good too. Like it yeah. it, it didn't you know because you had British Steel and then they they did um, uh, had Point of Entry Point of Entry yeah. and Point of Entry mm-hmm. just really stepped back in a way you know and it's it's got some good tracks on it like um, heading out to the highway. Is really good, but it was a step back. But this this was the right step, you know, following Screaming for Vengeance. Yes. So, so yeah, Defenders of Faith, I mean, with uh, Free Will Burning, I mean, that was so probably, good. I mean, next to <clears throat> Screaming for Vengeance, that was like the, set, the next fastest song that they had put out, and the vocals were just ripping. And, and Jawbreaker. Fast, yeah. Oh, man. The album is great, you know, front to back. Um, but for me... Number one is the album that got me into Judas Priest. It was the album that was all over MTV. Screaming for Vengeance, by far, to me, is my number one Judas Priest album. Uh, absolutely, you know, hands down. And it, it, a lot of it has to do with nostalgia for me. A lot of it has to do with, you know, the fact that it was the first thing that I heard from Judas Priest and got into. I mean, I'm pretty sure I heard Living After Midnight on the radio at some point or Breaking the Law. But... To really, you know, I turn on MTV and there's the video for you got another thing coming, playing again and yeah. again and again and again and again. I mean, they played the crap out of that song. It was huge. Yeah. You know, and so I went out there and all of a sudden, you know, I slap in, you know, you slap on the, the vinyl and you hear, you know, the Helion electric guy and you're like, yo, this is good. This is good shit. So, yeah. So that and was riding on the one. wind, man. That to oh. me, riding on the wind is just one of those tracks that it just you know it amazes me that rob can sing that way the whole song oh i know i mean just rob's just an amazing vocalist Mm -hmm. so uh, that that's my number one album so well folks that's our big four judas priest albums and that brings us to the end of our episode tonight so as a reminder you can find this and all of our previous episodes on their favorite podcast platform so please don't forget to click the subscribe button that's right and if you enjoyed what you heard today be sure to send us a message on facebook instagram twitter and youtube or send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com if you use spotify be sure to check out our playlist from our greatest hits episode and remember to tune in to the next episode where we spark up another exciting metal debate on behalf of kenneth and myself stay safe and remember always turn it up to 11 see ya